Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. We've been in our series in 1 John. Today we're in 1 John 3. We're in the first part of this text right here. And we are going to be in verse 1 through verse 3. All right? Verse 1 and verse 3. I want you, if you have a pen and pad, to take notes, or if you have your phone, or whatever you're using, I want you to get this because you're going to need to go back and read this, whatever, I don't care if you read it next week, tomorrow, two years later, it's going to hit your soul no matter when you hit it, all right? Y'all with me so far? I'm going to read this text. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So let me bring you some context. John is carrying on this tirade that he's been doing since chapter one to draw a distinction between the people who posture themselves as believers in the midst of the followers of Christ, but really weren't and attempted to lure real believers away from the church, from the body, with heretical beliefs. That's what's been happening the whole time. John has just been, he, he is talking to the church and he is trying to put muscles on them like, we just went through this thing. We had a mass group of people fall away. We had people coming in with all kinds of heretical beliefs about Jesus is not really the Christ and all of these different kinds of things and trying to lure you away with different tactics from the enemy. And he's like, let me draw a distinction about who you are. Do you understand? You get where I'm coming from? Drawing a distinction. A couple of weeks ago, I came into our service. And in that service, I ran into four people I hadn't seen in a while. All of them had kind of stepped away from God, stepped into some circumstances, right? And I couldn't believe it. It was a blessing. One of them had left because they got offended by something. Another one had left because they offended somebody. One, I ran into in a coffee shop and they just went into their whole hyper-spiritual thing or whatever, like they're not messing with Jesus no more, and they went off on them. But they came back broken like, yo, I need Jesus, right? The other one was somebody that I love dearly. They got everything they wanted. Actually accumulated more than they ever thought they could ever do. But when they got it, they got a hold of him. Them, you understand? So the eyes, the body of Christ that was so beautiful before, it just it went to the back of the line. You know where I'm coming from? Glory to God that brought them all back. But while they were going, I was thinking about them. Some of them was over spans of years. I always grieve for them. I know some of y'all too, I'm not mentioning names or whatever, but some, where's so-and-so at? That's how it feels when you're in the body of Christ and you see somebody falling off, it hurts. You get where I'm coming from? You're like, where, where are people at? Not just because like, you know, you just want them to know the Lord and everything else, but like, a friend is gone. I'm encouraged when people show up. It helps me keep going, just your presence. I'm like, 
Because it gets lonely. You get where I'm coming from? John is writing this to try to tell, get these believers to set their faith and their feet on solid ground by turning their gaze towards the love of the Father. That's what we're looking at right here, right? We're going to go verse for verse. He starts off in verse uh, 3. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. This right here, what he's asking, what he's saying, what he's, excuse me, what he's calling them to do, this, this command that he's given. I could sit and tap dance in this thing for the next year preaching just this thing because there's so much embodied in it, right? But while I work through it, I want us to do an exercise together. I want y'all to make it personal as we work through it, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a, we're going to see what the Lord has done, but we're going to look at where we've been, where we're at, and what the, what the Lord has, what he has called us and made us, right? So I want you to do a little bit of remembering, right? If you saw the video that I did the other day to advertise the sermon or whatever, I couldn't post the whole video some places, so you might not have saw the whole thing. But I talked about going to counseling. And when I first went to counseling, my counselor was like, yo, first thing we're going to do, the first couple of weeks is going to be telling the whole story. Like, we're going all the way to childhood and everything. I'm like, bro, we're going to get some counseling, bro. I need some help, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, so how'd that make you feel? Okay, okay. Then your mom, whatever. He goes through the whole entire story, my whole narrative. And then when I come in, broken about stuff, my brother, somebody disrespecting me, I'm mad, bro, whatever, you know what I'm telling them how I'm feeling, because, you know, y'all be a sweet jack, but I let, I let it out. I, we pay for it, because I better let it, I'm letting it all out, bro. You're getting all of this mess or whatever, right? And I'm spilling beans, and he always stops me and goes back to the story. And he goes, hold on, Jay. You said somebody disrespected you and you're upset. By recalling your story, you first got saved, somebody disrespected you, and you're coming to kill them. You're going to go kill them. And that's how you got saved. He said, so now, somebody disrespected you, and you're actually grieving that you're angry at the disrespect? Or something like, Jesus, sanctify somebody. I'm like, man, you think about it like that. He always points me to this thing, because you're just not this it thing. You're in this experience as a human and you met Jesus and he's sanctifying you. If you don't look back, then it always distorts where you're at in this very moment. Because you're like, I'm just a mess. Like, nah, this, that's not the mess that was before. This mess has fruit. It's like we just need to have a conversation about what you're dealing with. But homie, you, you wearing this like, you get where I'm coming from? So he brings me back to the story. That's what John is doing. So take a look. Just take a look. Because if you take a look, right, then you call a nightmare right now, it might be a dream. Right? Dreams come with difficulties. So I'll say it like this right here. There was a time that I remember being lost with all of my friends and just going, God, please save me. Please do something. Please change me. Please. You understand what I mean? But I didn't know God. I didn't have any hope or any faith in Jesus. I literally was making the cry out of darkness. So in my present problems, this thing ain't a problem. I just forgot what I've been at. You get where I'm coming from? Right? Trying to figure out how to pay rent when you used to be homeless? That's a sweet problem. 
it hurts because it's a current problem, but go back when you were sleeping up under a bridge, and I promise you, you'll be like, please, Lord, get rid of that problem. Please, Lord, give me a problem. You get where I'm coming from? Perspective is everything. And so I'm leaning in on this because he's asking them to do the work of perspective and assess their current situation. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. He's saying to do it to build their muscles because of all the people that are working against them, trying to distract them, trying to pull them away from Jesus. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Are y'all with me so far? I need some mm -hmm. okay. alright 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 there's this comedian named Ricky Smiley right anybody know who Ricky Smiley is in the room yeah Ricky Smiley's comedian's been around for a long time and um I don't really pay attention to him or whatever but he has such a connection with his audience and his son just passed away last week. And it, it, it was pretty sudden. And my mom and my sister called. It's separated, but they're like, son, did you hear about Ricky Smiley's son? They're talking to me like he's family. And I'm like, you got a cousin? They're like, no, you know, you know the celebrity. And I'm like, but it like it hit their heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like just media. They really took it really serious. And I was like, man, so that's, that's a lot. So I just went and went to go pull up a video, and it was a video with him talking about what, what had happened. And I didn't watch the whole video, but you want to know what got me about the video? He starts off talking about his grandmother. He said, I didn't understand what my grandma was talking about when she talked about God's faithfulness. That's not the video I expected to find for somebody who just lost their son. You understand? He's saying the story my grandma told him was real. About how God is there through the thick and the thin, through the good times and the bad times. He'll be by your side forevermore. You don't know about Dion Warwick in the room. I'm going to chill anyway. I'm fall back or whatever. Y'all even catch the lyric. Y'all get played back. But you get where I'm coming from, right? In the midst of a nightmare, he's talking about God's faithfulness. It made me think about my grandmother. My grandmother has a watch to get old, end up in an old folks home or whatever. She started to lose, you know what I'm saying? Her mental faculties or whatever and all that. And we didn't know what she was talking about. But she talked about Jesus all the time. It was as if she was stuck in looking backwards into the past, had Jesus in the moment, and like she could see across the other side. It was the only sober thing that I could, I could, I could grab from her. She was doing what John was talking about, seeing what great love the Father has lavished on us. Past, present, and future. I went to see her one time, she had a hole in her back, I could see her spinal cord. And she was still just rocking back and forth. Like, it's all right. I know where I'm going. It kept her. It kept, it kept her. I wasn't even really a believer in it. I just was like, what is that? And God was ruling towards me in the middle of that time. But she had been lavished. Y'all with me so far? 
who tells us to see what great love the Father has not shown us, that we should be called the children of God. And he says, and that is what we are. James is in the song, brother. Get on being quoted in that. Repeat that? Anyway, all right. And that is what we are. This love and this lavish. John 3, 16 said, God so loved the world that he gave his own son for us. That's the exclamation point of his love. That while we were in our sin, dead in our trespasses, that God would send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. When he says this thing right here, he's saying, he's making an exclamation point about the love, which is Jesus Christ, right? But this lavish aspect is something we need to explore. Do y'all know that God actually likes you? I want you to stop and just take it in. I know it seems simple enough or whatever, but he actually likes you. He likes you. As a rep, he likes you. You understand? This is important to know. It's important. It's important for in your relationship with God that you grasp and understand this to be true. True, right? So when I was on my trip this weekend, I was with a guy. So it's one of my pastor friends, he brought his brother. His brother was just on Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Like he has a number one song or whatever. I ain't gonna go to his name because the story is personal to him. But the he was talking about their father as a pastor. And he's talking about how much his father was known and respected. And he's a fundamentalist. He crushed them with morals and do right, be right, act right all the time. And he preached grace, but the culture at home had no grace. He said, all I wanted to know is that my father actually liked me. You get where I'm coming from? It's a grown man. Superstar on top of the world. All he wanted to know was that his father liked him. Because it changes everything. You hear where I'm coming from? I had that combo over him. I called my son the next morning. I said, homie, I like you. <laughs> that kind of weird stuff he called me with. It's 8 in the morning. I'm like, I like you, yo. I, I'm the only one that God wanted to get. You understand? I need you to know that. I like you. I don't just love you. I like you. It's important. It changes the way condemnation rolls on you. When you wake up in the morning and you already feel defeated and can't get out of the bed, God likes you. Some of you struggle to even come to church this morning. If you wouldn't have made it, he still likes you. He loves it that you're here. I love it that you're here, but he still likes you. He still actually wants to lavish his love on you, right? Philippians 2.15 says this about us, us children of God. Mind you, John is drawing a distinction still between the heretics that bounced up out of there and tried to pull the church apart on the way out. He's, 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 he's bringing down the gavel and making an exclamation point on who they are so you don't forget it. Philippians 2.15 says, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among 
whom you shine as lights in the world. A lot of us don't believe you shine as lights, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to work that out for us in a minute. But I just want to hit you with these scriptures first. Romans 8, Romans 8, 16 through 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. One of the people that I told you that showed up, that hadn't been around for a while, they told me, they said they had left and they had got into all kind of crazy voodoo, crazy worship and all kind of stuff. Said they were in the hills of South America with some kind of voodoo priest. And the spirit of God just was like, what are you doing? They had left. Lord and leaving. Spirit was inside grieving. And then the spirit spoke and just yanked them on back. You get where I'm coming from? The spirit bears witness that we're children of God. I don't always want to wake up and do this every day. There ain't nowhere else to go. That's not a statement from the flesh. Because my flesh is like, well, yeah, I, I can think of a lot of places to go. I can think of plenty of places to go. My cousin Prince, no, he over there. We used to go everywhere. I can come up with some places to go. The Spirit of God, there ain't nowhere to go. Sweet to the flesh for a quick minute, dude. There's nowhere to go. The inheritance that God has given us as the children of God, we've been given it to endure, to stand. This promise He gives to sanctify us when we are weary, to help us walk faithful. Somebody boasts about them. It means something. One of the other guys that um, I was with this weekend um, is another artist or whatever, right? I'm not going to say his name or whatever. Um, I'm sorry, I keep doing this to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but like, you know, Grammy-nominated guy and everything, really known. Um, seen him running around with Lecrae and all kinds of stuff or whatever. And just happened to land at this retreat. Like, somebody just invited him last minute and he came. And one of the things he said was, he told us during the retreat, he said, you know, the public doesn't know, but I actually really stepped away from God for a couple of years. Um, and I started getting to all other kind of stuff, all kind of like Hebrew, Israelite, other little spiritual stuff, all these different things. And he said, um, the closer and deeper I got in, I just wasn't convinced. Um, and all I found was people, were people that were hurting just like me. And he's like, but they didn't know the Jesus I knew, and it still was doing the work. And he looked at us pastors at the table, and this meant so much for us, because like I said, it gets lonely. But he said, I thank God that y'all did not give up. That when I come with that, when God is bringing me back, that I could land in the room of people that didn't run off. I hope you hear that, church. 
There's people. They, they, they need to land in the room. Right? It's hard sometimes when you're pushing through in the world. It's like, what are you, y'all? You still believe in Jesus and all kind of foolish, crazy debates and everything else. And you start feeling like the biggest cornball in the world. But your faithfulness means something. God has a purpose for it. And it ain't just all about you. It's about other people that need to see your faith standing as a monument. You understand? Let me keep moving and grooving. And that is what we are. The Lord has lavished us with his love and his grace. And he has declared us children of God. Let me tell you why it's so important, right? It's important because being a child of God with a calling to proclaim the gospel does not come without resistance and rejection. You need to hear that very clearly. Because if you find yourself in this vague space where you won't step all the way in and you try to settle in a cool spot or whatever and everything else, the enemy's going to come meet you eventually. You understand? Or you're going to function as a halfway crook. Mafia, sorry. Anyway, um, you're going to function as a halfway criminal. <laughs> Christian, excuse me, <laughs> Christian, right? But in this power of faith. But let me show you real quick what it looks like. So John, in this next piece right here, he says, he says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So the disdain and the rejection that Jesus deals with, when you step into your place as a believer, you're going to get it too. Especially where we at in America. You ain't going to be cute out here. They're going to look for barbecue out here, right? It is what it actually is. I put an advertisement video. Somebody sent a shot at me yesterday or whatever, talking crazy or whatever, because they didn't like what I said in the video. I don't care. Anyway, right? But, but you have to be able to move and groove in this tension, right? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, 3 to 10, he gives us a glamorous, glamorous picture of the tension that lies between the rejection of the children of God in the world. Y'all ready for this? I need everybody to tune in, all right? Listen, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Mind you, Paul is talking to the naysayers, right? So he's making it clear. He's like, don't get it twisted, homie. This is how we play. Y'all can talk whatever you want to. This is how we roll. This is how we live. This is how we function. So he runs that off, right? And then he says, this is the tension. This is, this is, this is the tension the world is going to put you. It says, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as the children. Widen your hearts also. 
Paul. He just said something huge for us. There's no way to get around this as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you stand for justice right now, you will be pulverized. And the people of God are called to stand for justice. There ain't no two-step black and white. There's the people of God that see everybody a model day as the child of God, made in the image of God. Not our good old evangelical Christian church games we've been playing in America. There are Christians who actually forsake their privilege and go live in neighborhoods where people think they want to live. There are people that leave their comfort and go serve people they don't even know just because God called them to do it. There are people that look at their finances and, and, and carve out money to give the organizations to move forward in their work. There are people that let people come live in their home, even when it's really, really, really hard, or for the opportunity to minister to them and love them and help them do their time to need. That may seem simple enough, but that's not true for a lot of Christians in America. It's not true. Paul is letting us know what it really is. Children of God, you're not impostors. Although the world's going to call you one, they're going to treat you like one. He said, We're treated as impostors, yet we're true. He knows. They don't know. He's like, We're the real deal. Not because we're boasting our flesh, because we know the Spirit testifies. Our sacrifices, these this hard places, this hunger that He's talking about. The imprisonments, the riots, the beatings, the calamities. They're having a Ricky smiling on them. God was with them in all of them. You get where I'm coming from? The attack on Paul is that the super apostles came in and they're like, yo, we don't really know about you. Why are you going through so much? Paul is boasting in what he was going through. Y'all with me so far? He said, so here's the thing. There's, there's a lot of us who have been deceived by the commercialization of Philippians 4.13. That's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all know the verse. Who knows the verse? Come on now. Who throws that verse out every now and then? You know what I mean? That's on all the Hallmark cards. I can go find you a thousand sweatshirts with the verse on it. I promise you, right? But he's talking about um, he's talking about that tension he just described. This is the whole verse, right? It says, "Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Abased it deals with humility, brokenness, lowness, all of that on the bottom. And he says, "I know how to abound. That's what your cup is running over." And he says, "Everywhere." Geographically, no matter where my feet are planted. And in all things, that's every circumstance and situation, 
I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it seems that the text is not about a power play on God just making everything you touch turn to gold, right? And us overcoming everything to get what we need, whatever idol we want, whatever platform we want to be seen on top of, and everybody going, man, they're killing it. It's not what the verse is about. It's about being empowered to suffer. Not only being empowered to suffer, but actually being able to suffer the temptation that comes when you have overflow. Get where I'm coming from? You heard me talk about my man and him getting everything he wanted, but it was a stumbling block, right? So Paul is saying, I can have overflow and the overflow not take me out. I can have not enough and that doesn't take me out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is important. It's important when we talk about the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Because the world is going to put you in these pressures. They're going to put you in these pressure cookers about these identities you're supposed to walk in and what it's supposed to look like. But God is strengthening us to walk no matter how it looks like. That's a different thing. You get where I'm coming from? They don't divine our brokenness because we're in a low place. They don't define what it is for us to be in a high place. Perhaps if we actually believe this scripture in the context that it's in, if we actually looked at it through spiritualizing as the text is actually written instead of Western evangelicalized, maybe more of us would be foregoing some of our privileges and our prefaces, right? for the sake of some forgotten communities, right? Maybe it would look like Luke 14, where, where Jesus is inviting the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and the poor to his family. I'm preaching it because it's in the text. But just for the sake of transparency, I like to live by Starbucks, with a nice latte and walking distance. That's my middle class self. And I can tell you that because this, I'm not saying preaching this to you to continue. I'm saying that God is taking us somewhere glorious where we make decisions that aren't really about preferences. I'm not a lot of you tell you don't have preferences, right? I have preferences. You get where I'm coming from? Y'all, it's a neighborhood or whatever in St. John's Bluff. It's got a fake beach. Y'all know that neighborhood? It's got a fake beach, yo. Like, I'm like, yo, how they feel a beach in the neighborhood? They don't have a neighborhood pool no more. That joint got waves, yo. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, don't even gotta go to the beach. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't understand it. I ain't going though. But I ain't telling you I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go. I, wanna go. I think they have a Starbucks in the, in the, in the guest house, too. Got the whole, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it real with it. Got the whole thing laid out. My man Jonathan Blackburn from Second Mile, he told me one time, he said, Jay, 
said, God has called you to Brentwood. said, don't leave to go get what you want. said, stay here until all those people here get what they, that same thing you want. Don't take your kids and run off to something better for them. Stay here until all the kids have options here. Told me to let my preferences go. That's not cute to people. You get where I'm coming from? That's something God has to sanctify my heart into. It's important. It's important. Let me go ahead and bring this to, to a close, right? So verse 2 says this. It says, dear friends, puts the exclamation point again. He's putting muscles on so the blood suckers don't take them out, right? It says, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. He's speaking to this idea that there's a level of faith that goes into all of our walks. That's why the distinction of the Holy Spirit being alive in us, because the Holy Spirit is what keeps ringing that bell, that thing that when we want to, even when we want to walk the other way, it just keeps ringing in us. And we're like, this thing is so deep in me. I hear clearly, even if the world is calling me a fool. Right? One of our friends that used to be in this church actually used to be one of the pastors of this church early on or whatever. When he left out of the church, I wasn't really sure about his faith. And I was talking to him just recently, and this is after years and years of me kind of being in this vague space like, homie, where are you at? And he told me the other day, he said, bro, so I was out of town somewhere, and some people kept asking me about Jesus. And he said, I, I told him I couldn't answer their questions. I couldn't answer their questions. I can't answer all of these deep questions you want to know to give you to try to prove God, that Jesus is real and everything else. And then he said, but I'm in trouble one and I can't shake it. It's in me. I don't got to explain nothing to nobody. It just is what it is. It's in me and I can't play and act like it isn't. It's Holy Spirit. Ain't nobody talk about, talk about but Jesus. There's no other conversation. Because we are not going to stay on the path because we got it together. Because we are good. That is not the case. It says, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. We have a hope to look forward to. We have a hope to look forward to. Right? We have a hope that carries us, a faith that carries us. It says, for we shall see him as he is. And it ends, and it says, all who have this hope purify themselves just as he is pure. You can't just, the hope is not this vague thing. It's this thing that you can taste and you can feel, right? It propels us or whatever, right? It carries us. It's one of the gifts God gave us when he saved us by his grace. He gave us hope. Right? It says when you have this hope, you purify yourself. You don't purify yourself 
by setting up rules and regulations to walk and talk right. Because that's not purifying yourself. That's acting. Right? My mom had rules in the house. I followed the rules when I was being seen. Then she goes sleeping them out the window, robbing stuff. You know where I'm coming from? Like, the rules didn't change my heart. Her praying for me. Her crying out to God and seeing God move it. Right? Her keeping the faith no matter what she went through, that did. Her proclaiming Jesus Christ and his mercy and grace when I was at my lowest. We, we feast. This is practical for you. We feast on the gospel. We do what John said in the very beginning here. We see. We're always looking at the love of the Father. We always look at what he has done. What he is currently doing. And where he is taking us. Right? Paul describes this grief and this hard thing, this honor, this dishonor, this slander, and this praise, and being treated as an imposter, all these different things that the enemy puts on us and tries to yank us out of the hand of the Lord because we're like, this is too much, I can't take this, right? But this promise, this eternal promise we have, says different. Because it says there's a promise. They call us a fool. They don't call you a fool when you're singing with the Lord and you're rolling and you're running. If you have this hope and you truly have this faith, then you believe in God's promise. All our pain taken away. All our tears wiped away. The disgusting, the disgusting injustice we see. What we just saw with Tyree Nichols is utterly disgusting. It's disgusting. But it's the world we live in. God looks at it and he swipes in the sun. It's not whatever. He ain't up there just quiet. He pacing. You understand? He's walking a hole in heaven's carpet. Trembling for the day. And he's going to take this thing and pull it up like a blanket. He's going to lay down something new. And everybody who tried to size up God, they're going to get sized up. All of us who are sinful, stumbling, wrecks, messes of human beings, but put our faith in Jesus Christ. That he's given us enough. He's graced us. To not cause us to put our faith in our, our resume of righteousness, but to put our faith in the work of Jesus Christ. You say, yo, come on, baby. We got you. Nothing will ever be the same. So our hope purifies us because it keeps us moving. We come to church to be around people of God. We're a rep, we're, you say in this room, somebody's going to get on your nerves, hurt you, say something that offends you. Well, you're still people of God. There's nothing better than the streets. You can believe that if you want to. There's nothing better than the streets. This stuff can get messy. You get people of different colors in the room, different cultures in the room, it can get crazy messy. But we still have the spirit of God in us. So if we're going to duke it out, we're going to duke it out with the people of God. Because there ain't nothing better than the streets. 
Ain't nothing. I got cats out here, whatever, blowing their best homies' heads off. It ain't done. It looks real good on Instagram, but it, it, it's, it's not what it is, right? So even the company we have, the tension, it purifies us. So not running from it is a way to purify us, right? When you need to have a hard conversation, you feel sick to your stomach, like, oh my God, I can't believe this, whatever. That sucks, but God is purifying me. He's purifying me for not running, having to step into something hard, right? Being in a church or whatever, we don't have a kids ministry right now or whatever, right? We do what we can or whatever, but we don't know way somewhere. God's going to do it. I ain't worried about that or whatever. But even in the midst of the tension, trusting God for stuff, going through peaks and valleys, hardships, God is faithful. He's purifying us. Picking up the phone to call your brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage them is purifying Taking on the burdens of your brothers and sisters or whatever when you barely are making it yourselves is purifying. That's walking like Jesus. That's sacrifice. That's what the children of God are. And that's what this word tells us we are. Amen? Y'all stand. Let's pray.